Okay, so I remember, this is, this is truly ancient history, but I remember standing at attention, waiting for inspection. We're in the barracks. We're all lined up. We're doing this. I look down at my shoes now, <laughs> and it says the same story. I don't know how to shine shoes properly. I, it's like a spiritual gift I do not have. And, and, and I'm standing at attention, and, and I'm... Maybe it works for you. I, I don't know. I have deficient spit. <laughs> so it's, uh, anyway, I'm standing at attention. I'm, I'm uh, waiting. Everybody in the captain, this is, this is not your drill sergeant inspection. This is the captain inspection. And we're all in line like this, stand, well, not you know, standing at attention. Your, your heels are together. You're like this. Your hands are on your seams. You're at attention like this. That's, that's attention, right? And, and, uh, and we're all waiting. And he comes by, and he walks by the first guy, looks him up and down. Walks by the second guy, looks him up and down, third guy. I'm like third from the end. And sure enough, he gets to me and he looks down and his eyes stay there. He looks up, he doesn't say a word, he moves on. He didn't say a word to me, but he said a word to the sergeant. <laughs> and everybody was released to, for that evening to go do whatever they were going to do. But me and one other guy who were standing there doing shoeshine duty. And that guy, by the way, eventually got his shoes looking good. Mine got enough that he let me uh, breathe. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I knew, I knew I was not up for inspection. <laughs> I knew I was really, really good in everything but that one thing. That You'd think he could overlook one little thing, right? I mean, I was otherwise good, but he didn't. I was required to meet his standards. You know, God is not easily satisfied. God does not look and say, yeah, close enough. God demands perfection. And yet, in spite of the fact John, that God, sorry, God demands, I was thinking of John saying we're dysfunctional. <laughs> and I don't know if you caught that. I laughed when he said that. That was a laugh of agreement. Uh, in, spite of, in spite of what we are, in spite of what we know we are like, he looks at us and he is satisfied. He demands perfection, and yet he's satisfied with us. How can that possibly be? And the answer is because he sees Jesus Christ. If you have trusted him as your savior. Jesus, as the perfect sacrifice, makes us perfect. So today we're going to see how he did that. And we're going to go back and look at the vocabulary some more. Uh, specifically, two words we find in this passage. One of them I dwelt on a little bit last week. I'm going to dwell on more this week, which is redeemed. And the other is, is that, that awesome word, propitiation. Or as some of you say, propitiation, which to me sounds... Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all in how you learn it. Uh, and we're going to look at those two words again, or one of them again and one for the first time. So, so I want to start with, verse. well, let me read verses 24 and 25. Chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously go unpunished. And by the way, some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Why are you starting at verse 24? Because you did 24 last week. And you need to recognize, depending on your version of the Bible, these sentences are really long, right? And, and, and in the New American Standard, the sentence starts in verse, uh, let's see, where does it start? 21, and goes through 
halfway through 25, right? And what we have here is just a sequence of thoughts strung together. And the problem, the problem or the, 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 the challenge, maybe that's the word, the challenge is, is recognizing each thought strung together in this is important. And, and as I read this, I, I'm just kind of in awe of Paul as a human being, the human author of this. I know he was inspired by God, but John wrote easier. <laughs> Paul, Peter wrote more e- easier reading. Paul, man, his mind was just, uh, the guy was smart. <laughs> and, and we have to try to plow through this and figure it all out, and I'm breaking it down into pieces. And so I'm going back to verse 24, and, and we have this word redemption. And if you are really sharp, you remember the word. Anybody want to spit it out for me? Apolutroseos. <laughs> That's that six-syllable Greek word, apolutroseos, to let go free for a ransom. The recalling of captives from captivity through the payment of a ransom for them. One word, powerful meaning. Uh, the recalling of captives from captivity through the payment of a ransom for them. Before you are redeemed, you are a captive, and you are held captive by your sins. Ephesians 2 says you were dead in your sins. Romans 6 says you were slaves to sin. You were held captive in by your sins. You are like a mouse held in a trap by its tail. You know, the, 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 the spring is called the hammer, the piece that comes down. It's supposed to hit the, the mouse on the head and break, break its neck, right? It's supposed to kill it instantly, but, but sometimes it doesn't happen. You're not the one who got killed instantly. You're the one who's stuck by its tail, and you're trapped, and you can't get away because there is nothing in a mouse's anatomy that allows it to lift that bar. It is, it is impossible. Now, we know that the mouse can chew its tail off, uh, but pretend you don't have that option. You just say, I ain't biting that, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, and you are trapped. You took the bait, and it is your own fault. It's not anything you can blame on anyone else and point, and you are trapped, and you cannot free yourself, and you are not an innocent victim. You are not an innocent victim. It is not society's fault, and you cannot blame your parents. You sinned, you did wrong, and, and, and no one made you a captive but yourself, which doesn't mean society didn't have a, sh- a, p- a hand in making you what you are. It doesn't mean your, your, your upraising didn't have a hand in making you who you are, but at some point, you have to stop blaming someone else and take, take it on your own shoulders. Yes, I did this of my own free will and recognize that you did this. And I want to talk about this captivity thing because he paid the ransom to free you from the captive that you sold yourself into by the sin that you chose. And I'm struck as I think about this, that at this church, (laughs) there are people still held captive by sin. And some of you may be held captive so much that you have not truly released yourself to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're sitting there saying, I have this mental understanding of who he is. I'm trying to be good. My life has changed. I'm doing better. I like Christian fellowship. I've done everything but trust Jesus. Just that one little thing. What is the sin? What is the sin that has held you captive to the degree that you cannot trust Jesus? What is it? Is it pornography? No, no. I can't give up that one? Is it envy? Is it gossip? Is it one of the big ones? Is it one of the little ones? 
But where you say, no, no, I have not been freed from that. And why have you not been freed from that? Because you have not released it to him. You're not an innocent victim, but the only reason you're still a victim at all is because you haven't released that sin to him. You haven't confessed that sin. You're holding on to that one. And it's not, not, not him that's keeping you captive. It is your sin that's keeping you captive and not letting you go. And I, as I walk, walk, looked at this, I, I just was horrified by the thought. You know what scares me to death is, is the thought of you not making it to heaven because I didn't do a good enough job. You know yourself far better than I know you. I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking to. But, but I was just, <laughs> I prepare a message, and then I walk away. And sometimes the message comes back and haunts me. And this haunted me. Because I wasn't going to talk about what sin held you captive but it haunted me. And I have to say, I think that's the Holy Spirit saying people need to think about their sins and whether they are truly walking with Christ. Because if you have lulled yourself into sleep, saying, I'm okay with this much captivity, and by the way, this isn't just, you may truly be saved, you may have truly trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, but you're living a wimpy Christian life because you are still captive by sins that he has released you from, or you may simply be still on the outside saying, I, I, I'm almost a Christian, but I'm so close, I think I'm okay. And the inspector walks by and looks you up and down, and his eyes linger for a minute on that one thing, and you're not good enough. And by the way, there's not one of us standing before Jesus Christ who has only one thing he finds fault with. Not that he wants to. He did not come to judge the world. He did not come to condemn the world. He came, to, came that the world may be saved through him. But this is the condemnation that men chose darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And it doesn't, that's, now that part was a quote. This part is not a quote. They loved their evil deeds and would not let go of them, so they stayed in the dark and would not enter into that fellowship. We have redemption. He frees us by paying the price for, to, to free us from the sin that we sold ourselves into, but we're not accepting the gift that he gave. Accept the gift that he gave. Give up that sin. It's interesting. People say, well, who is he paying the ransom to? And it's not who he's paying the ransom to. It's what he's paying the ransom for. And it's whether you allow him, because you're the one who has the ability to accept or not accept that ransom. It's you accepting the ransom for you. And no one else can do it. You have one option. The mouse has the option of chewing his tail off. You don't have that option. And while you are in that state, waiting only for death to come, you are trapped by your sin. You are waiting for death. It's on its way. It's coming to you. And in that state, he redeems you <laughs> while you are waiting for the death that you deserve, the punishment that you deserve. He comes in and he redeems you. He pays the price. He, he, he uh, pays the price of your redemption, the ransom. And, and as I do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk from I'm gonna go from so serious to so goofy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you are used to that, I think. 
because redeemed. Do you realize what a joyful word that is? You are the captive. You're the one who's trying to get out and your tail is stuck and you can't get out. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and lets you out. What is your emotion at that? You are trapped by your sin. You are dead in your sin. You see it coming. It's on its way. It's about to claim you. And suddenly, what is your emotion? You know, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. (laughs) It's supposed to be a joyful song. But when I want to do joyful, my mind goes to this one. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I've been redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been, I know you don't like me saying, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> and, then, and then it goes on, it gets even more theological. Oh, you can't get to heaven in roller skates. <laughs> so, okay, a little less theological. But it still ends with, all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And you know what? It's joyful. We should have this response. Our need for redemption is absolutely so serious. But what is your response upon getting it? It should be this incredible, joyful expression of, look what he has done for me. This is, this is an awesome word, redemption. It's awesome in its offer for people who need it. It's awesome in its power. It's awesome in its results. Forget the mouse trap. Let's move to a bear trap. Okay? You're caught in a bear trap and it's been three days. Nobody's come by. Right? You're in pain. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're dying of these things. The trapper doesn't seem to be coming. He's not in a hurry. You expect to die either of hunger or of the bear that trap was set for. Either way, you see your death coming. Someone comes and frees you. How do you feel about that person? When you first hear the footsteps of that person and you start trying to yell, but your voice is too dry and cracked and you can't hardly yell, and the person comes through and sees that and they have whatever it takes. I've never freed somebody from a bear trap. I I think it takes a stick to push down the thing and something else. I don't know. I, I don't know. But how do you feel about that person who frees you? It's like, this is your new best friend. (laughs) This is the person that you will remember with joy for the rest of your life. You will never forget that person. And it's joyful, and then it gets serious again when we start saying, oh, but the price he had to pay to set us free. Because it wasn't as simple as some guy stumbling through the woods and seeing you and setting you free. It's intentional. He went seeking for you because he knew you were trapped and he went and found you. And then to save you, he gave his life. And you start going, oh my goodness. You know what? This word redeemed is an awesome word that we absolutely need. Our release from captivity wasn't simple. Sin has a price. It demands punishment. And the price must be paid before we can go free. And we have Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And our redemption, what's it, what does it say? 324. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Our Redeemer, our redemption is in Christ Jesus. All redemption is in Christ Jesus. Apart from him, there is no redemption. No one else has paid the price. No one else could pay the price. And God is satisfied with us because Jesus paid the price of our redemption. 
So let's move on to verse 25. God's righteousness is satisfied. Whom, still speaking about Jesus Christ, this run-on sentence, uh, the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, which, by the way, that's as far as we're getting today. <laughs> it couldn't make it any farther. Propitiation or propitiation. If you have a New American Standard, a King James, a New King James, an ESV, an HCJB, HC, HCSP. <laughs> HCJB is a radio station in Ecuador. <laughs> Herald in Christ Jesus Broadcasting. It's a good radio station, but it's not a Bible version. <laughs> HCSB, Holman Christian Standard Bible. They all say propitiation or propitiation. If you have an NIV, it says sacrifice for atonement. You have a New Living Translation? Because this propitiation, that's, it's, it's even only found four times in the New Testament. This is not a common word. This is not something we run across, and we have to figure out what it means. The New Living Translation says the sacrifice for sin. The Hawaiian pigeon, and tell Mike he missed it. Uh, the Hawaiian pigeon says, uh, so he can be the sacrifice for himo, the shame, for all the bad kind of stuff everybody do. <laughs> I don't know what the fohimo thing means, but the shame, the sacrifice for the shame for all the bad kind of stuff everybody do. Now, the Amplified Bible is a Bible that used to have a lot of popularity. I, I don't think you could find it now. It's, it's uh, not out of favor, but it's just not well known. It's had its day. It came and went, I think. But the Amplified Bible does exactly what the name says it does. It amplifies the thing, trying to catch the full meaning of some words. And it goes to town with this word propitiation. as soon as I can find my place. As a mercy seat and propitiation by his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation. <laughs> I'm going, that's a sentence. It's a complicated sentence. What do you do? I'm going, where in the world does it come up with this? Where did the mercy seat come into this thing? And, and so I finally go to the Greek, hilasterion, and that's an interesting word. There are, I said propitiation is only found four times in the New Testament. The word hilasterion is only found twice. And, and I'm sorry, the word propitiation is found three times. The word hilasterion is found twice, and the word hilasmos is found twice. So when we, our scripture reading, 1 John 2, 2, and he is propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, that is hilasmos. And hilasmos is found twice, and it's translated propitiation. Hilasterion is found twice, and one time it's translated uh, propitiation here in Romans 3.25. The other times is in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5. And you know what is translated there? Mercy seat. I'm going, whoa, you amplified Bible. You're so sneaky. <laughs> mercy seat. You go, mercy seat, the root word of hilasterion, that hilas is, is, is part of the, or form of the Greek word mercy. And, and, and propitiation is receiving mercy for that price or for that, uh, it's mercification, <laughs> receiving mercy, being made right. Simple understanding of, of propitiation. I mean, this, this is probably where I should have started, but I thought I'd throw all that at you, at you first. It means it's satisfaction. That's why I say the title of this message, Jesus is satisfied with us. Propitiation is sat, God, making God satisfied with us so that he looks at us and says, you pass inspection. You're good enough. 
More specifically, it's that which brings satisfaction. And referring to sin, it is the sacrifice which pays for our sin so that God is satisfied with us. Propitiation is the sacrifice that makes God satisfied with us. Uh, it's called the sacrifice that makes atonement. Atonement is a three-part word, at one that's where the word comes from. And it's us made at one with God, at peace with God. Removes the differences between us and God so that he looks at us and says, good enough. That's, that's what a propitiation does. It is the sacrifice that makes us satisfactory to God. So Jesus as the mercy seat. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Uh, in the tabernacle and later in the temple, they had these pieces of furniture called the furniture of the tabernacle. When you went into the, the uh, clear, I can't even think what they call it, you know, the, the area, they have the holy, holy place there, and outside they have the outside of the tabernacle. You walk in and you're into a big yard. And the first thing you see is a brass altar. It's the altar, it's a large altar. It's big enough to sacrifice bulls on. It's a brass altar. You take steps up to it. It's got a grate so that the ashes and, and things can fall down through it. And, and, and you step up on, and, and, that, and it's made of bronze. And bronze is for sacrifice. And then beyond that, you have a wash basin. It looks like a bird, bird feeder. It's also made of bronze. The, the furniture outside the tabernacle or outside the holy place is, is bronze for judgment. Uh, and, and, and it's a place where the priest would wash his hands before he went into the holy place. And you go in there, and there's three pieces of furniture. On the left is the menorah, the seven candle candlestick with seven lights represents the Holy Spirit. On the right is the table of showbread where the bread was changed every day, 12 loaves of bread, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then straight in front of that, in, in the center, just before the, the, I want to call it the door, but where the priest would go through, uh, is, is the altar of incense. And it was kept burning all the time. And once a day, one priest was chosen to go into the holy place, and add oil to the candelabra, the menorah, to change the showbread, to replenish the, the incense for the altar of burnt offering. All these are made out of gold. And then there's the, the next curtain, and beyond that curtain is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, a box made of gold, has, has poles for carrying it that, that uh, are in there. Uh, it has a cover made of solid gold and it's called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is where the high priest would come in once a year. One man, once a year, would come in with the blood from the sacrifice at the bronze altar. And he would come in through the, through the holy place into the holy of holies, and he would take that blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And that would bring atonement for the people before God. But what's interesting here is Jesus is our propitiation, which is not the blood sprinkled, but where the blood is sprinkled. And it's like, I, I, I still, my mind, I, I have a hard time grasping or trying to grasp all the significance of what that means. <laughs> but, but as we look at this, the, the utter, in, in their day, the one high priest could go once a year into the holy place, or was supposed, had to go once a year into the holy place to do this, and it was, everybody else was excluded. One priest could go in close to it every day, and it wasn't always the high priest. Different priests could do that, but, but only one, and he would go every day to the holy place, but only once, even they were excluded from the holy of holies. 
And the people couldn't go in there. They could go bring their sacrifice out to the bronze altar, but they couldn't go into the holy place or the most holy place, the holy of holies. And, and most people were outside the whole thing, out there. And it was extremely exclusive. And, and, and you had to go through this mysterious and, and, and locked and, and hidden from view process to get to the ark of the, the, or the mercy seat. Jesus, listen to what it says. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Whom God displayed publicly as a mercy seat. Everything is different. Everything is different. Where it was quiet and secluded and only one person could go once a year, all of a sudden is open and exposed to everybody all the time. Where was Jesus crucified? Outside Jerusalem. Outside, they, they say, the Damascus Gate. Now, the Damascus Gate is called that because the highway to Damascus went through there. Jerusalem was on a major road that went from, from Egypt to Syria. And the Damascus Highway was that road. Jesus was crucified on that road. They say at a crossroads. So he's up there on display with, with a, a plaque above that says, Jesus, King of the Jews, <laughs> in three different languages, so that all the people going by can see it and read it. It was in, in, in Greek, in Aramaic, and in Latin. So, so that everybody could read it. Didn't, you didn't have to be from there. He was publicly displayed as the mercy seat for everybody. Nothing was hidden. Nothing was secret. No one was excluded. And we find that the cross is open, plain, and available for everybody. Everybody could see the price that was paid. Everybody could see it was Jesus who paid the price. And everybody could see that the price was paid for them. Right? It was, there, was, there was nothing hidden about it. It was completely plain. And, and more than that, he is the propitiation, right? I, 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 it's just putting these words together, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. It, he's, he's not just displayed publicly, but he's propaid, displayed publicly as satisfying God. Because that's what propitiation means, the sacrifice that satisfies God. He was displayed publicly for that. And, and, and you know what the priest did in secret once a year? That was not satisfactory to God. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 10. going to read uh, a couple of passages in Hebrews, still both in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse... Verses 1 through 4. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the form of those things itself, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually every year, make those who approach perfect. You hear all the parts of it there. They offer it continually every year. They make these sacrifices. It says it can never, by those, make them perfect. Otherwise, they would not, they would have ceased to be, they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. The, 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 the sins would be gone, but the sins aren't gone, so they have to go back next year. And they have to, you know, for all my preaching on the need to, to be sure that you're redeemed, if you are redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? You just let the, your redeemed say so, right? 
Okay, we have one redeemed person in here. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> the rest of you, this message is for you. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, Mike's, Mike's just such an outgoing... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, um, it's impossible. Oh, I'm, I didn't finish the passage. I, that was just verse 1. That ver- no, verse 2. Otherwise, it would not have ceased to be offered because worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away. What are they? Why do it? It is a picture. It is pointing them towards the greater sacrifice, which is the one that does satisfy God. So you continually present something that that does not satisfy God because it will help you know when the real thing is there. This is it. This is the one whom Jesus was publicly displayed and his did it. By the way, let's jump down to verses 10 and 14. Same chapter. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. And verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And what what the blood of bulls and goats could not do and what the offering of the high priest could not do, Jesus Christ's offering did. It accomplished once for all. One sacrifice only had to be made once. Once for all, for everybody. It was publicly displayed as the propitiation, the sacrifice that satisfied, caused God to be satisfied with us. And then it says, in his blood. And you go, wait a minute. You just said he was the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled. How can he be both the mercy seat and the blood? The mercy seat and the sacrifice are two entirely different things, right? The sacrifice is over there. It's made outside the holy place. And the blood is brought into the holy place. Jesus is the holy place. How can he be the sacrifice? The answer says because Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Absolutely everything about our salvation is all about Jesus. Yeah. He is is too much to describe quickly (laughs) Uh, and simply. And yet yet you can describe him simply. I I, I like to go back to the Philippian jailer. You know the story? There's an earthquake. He runs in. Uh, He's about to kill himself because the prisoners are escaped. Paul and Silas say, don't kill. Kill yourself. We're still here. He falls down on his knees and says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus did not give him a theology lesson. I mean, Jesus. uh, Paul and Silas did not give him much theology lesson. They didn't say, here's what you need to know. Here are the basics. Give me a half hour and give me an open Bible and and we'll uh, walk through some of this. They just said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You don't have to know a lot to be saved. You can be almost completely ignorant. (laughs) What you need to know is you need Jesus. You shouldn't stay there. So, so Jesus can be described simply. He is the Son of God who died to pay for your sins. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you will say, yes, I need Jesus. And that's all. You don't need to know all the information. But if you want to start trying to describe him, uh, he's too much to describe quickly or simply. But he is the one who satisfied our debt. Man, that's an amazing thing. Because who got you in debt? Who, who, does he owe you anything? He doesn't owe you anything. You got yourself in debt. It's your sin. It's your actions. It's your words. It's your thoughts. 
He's the one that paid your debt, and he paid that debt with his life. So we're people with flaws, and some of us, the flaws might be from here down to to your shoes, fine, (laughs) and just from the shoes on, you're flawed, (laughs) right? Some of us, most of us, Flaws are a lot more evident than that. <laughs> and some people, some people look so good when you first see them, and then after a little while, you start finding the rough edges. And things just kind of rub a little bit raw. And, and, and some people are just more evident, and some people are less evident. Some of us can't stand up to that five-second look over when the CEO is doing that. I don't think it took five seconds. He, he walked up, he did this, he stayed. That was forever. And then he came up and moved on. He, I don't think he was there five seconds. I couldn't stand up to a five-second inspection. Wow. Some people can do a lot better, but still, the flaws are there. You get around someone long enough. We all, one of the really wonderful things about, about people that, that we get along with is they know our faults and they get along with us anyway. You know, my wife didn't leave me. <laughs> I'll blame Lynn Hernis. Lynn Hernis said these words once. She went up to Joe and said, why did you marry him? (laughs) She loves me in spite of my flaws. She's a good Christian woman, and she has no option. She promised she'd do it, and she has to keep her promise. None of your flaws are hidden from God. He knows every single one of them. If you plan to stand before God, I shouldn't say, whether or not you plan to, you will someday stand before God. Do you want to do it on your own merit? Or would you rather do it with the merit of Jesus Christ, who is satisfying to God? Because he offers us, if you do it on your own, he will not be satisfied with you. But if you accept Jesus' perfect sacrifice on your behalf, he will be satisfied with that. He is satisfied with that. He redeemed us with his blood, and it is a payment that does satisfy God. And it is available to you by faith. Be sure you have received that gift. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you open ears that do not hear, that you open eyes that do not see. I ask you to speak by your spirit to the heart of everyone here. Lord, that you would remove every obstacle and reveal every obstacle, that we would not be the hindrance, the stumbling block to our own salvation, that we will truly and honestly trust you as our Savior. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.